Welcome to Real Purpose with Pastor Bob Lamb. God has a real purpose for each of us here in this life. It begins first with an intentional desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ who wants you to connect with Him. We appreciate you listening today and pray that you will join us next week for Real Purpose. Hey, welcome to Real Purpose. This is Pastor Bob Lenz, Senior Pastor of New Rock Wesleyan Church right here in Loganville, Georgia. What does it look like when your purpose and your passion collide with God's plan for your life? In the Bible in Jeremiah 29 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. John 15 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Get connected. Stay connected. Hey, this week I want to talk about influence, but before I get started, I want to give a big shout out to my children. Jeremy, Jason, and Miley. I love you, I'm praying for you, and I hope you have an incredible day. And to my incredible wife, Sandy, who I get to walk this walk with on this side of heaven every single day, I love you. Hey, today's show is about influence. Webster's Dictionary defines it as the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. Think about those in your life and how they influence you. Think about the impact that you have on other lives. Statistics say that the average human being touches 10,000 lives. That's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? Well, today I want to start out by talking about who am I? Who is Bob Lenz? Am I interesting? Why follow me? What do I have to share with you in a podcast that's important to you that you would want to follow this program and listen to what I have to say? These are the six questions I want to hopefully get to today. Who am I? When did I connect with Christ? How did I connect with Christ? How am I staying connected with Christ? How did the lives of other followers of Christ influence my life? And what are spiritual disciplines? I think these are all key questions that I think we need to know. I certainly did not when I turned my life over to Christ. So let me start out by those who influenced my life. Now, you don't know these people, but these people are important to me. And some of you listeners that are friends of mine, you may know them. So who influenced my life that modeled what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I'm going to start out with Carrie, my childhood friend from Tewksbury, New Jersey Middle School. The very first Christian I met, it was 1972 when she walked in the room, and she had no problem professing that she was a Christian. And for 43 years, she never gave up. Every time I would talk with her, she'd always ask me this very first question, Bobby, do you know Jesus? And then she kept saying, you're never going to know and live the life that God had planned for you until you turn your life over to Jesus Christ. We always had that conversation, and she always prayed for me. Thank you, Carrie. Emily, who I performed with and entertained alongside with for five years, also a Christian. She modeled it everywhere we performed. During the break, she would witness for Christ. I used to stand in amaze. She would just walk up to people with this great sense of boldness, and she would ask, do you go to church? Do you know who Jesus is? Thank you, Emily, for modeling Christ. For Mike Rogers, who discipled me and introduced me to Jesus Christ in his garage every Wednesday night. I would get there at 6 o'clock, and sometimes we would just go past midnight. My disciple, Mike Rogers, from Skyline Church. Thank you. And to my first pastor, Bruce Smith. My first pastor, Skyline Wesleyan Church in La Mesa, California, who told me, Bob, I'm going to say something to you. 
Your church will let you down. Your friends will let you down. Your family's going to let you down. Even I, as your pastor, will let you down. He said, don't forget that. But remember this, God will never let you down. I wasn't even a Christian yet. I was just a guy in the church that was volunteering to uh, play guitar on a worship team. And that's what he said to me. Thank you for those words. To Jerry Brown, who Bruce Smith turned me over to when he wanted me to be his worship team leader in the Skyline Singles. I met Jerry Brown, hands me a $5,000 guitar, a Taylor guitar. Says, keep this, hang on to it, just return it when you're done. Who taught me how to lead worship, who taught me worship songs. Remember, I wasn't quite a Christian very long, or not even a Christian yet. And here I was. God was already opening doors. He already had this plan for my life. To Dr. Jim Garlow, senior pastor of Skyline Wesley Church, who believed in me and where I served on his staff under his leadership for five years. Thank you, Pastor Jim. For Pastor Skip Elmore, who I first met at Skyline, who took me under his wings, led me to Mike Rogers, who continues to influence my life. Thank you, Pastor Skip. To Pastor Orville Butcher, the founder of Skyline Wesleyan Church, who remains one of the most influential men of God I have ever crossed paths with in my life. I miss you. And of course, to Sandy Lenz, my best friend, my wife, passionate follower of Jesus Christ, how you are sold out, how you hold me accountable. I love you. Currently, I'm in my doctorate in ministry with Wesley Seminary, and our emphasis is on spiritual formation. And I'm loving it. And we have 31 amazing followers of Christ in my cohort. And I'm gleaning from them. Just amazing how God will put the right people in your life. And I don't want to forget to mention B.J. Albright from Skyline Church. He was the first one I met in Skyline Singles. He was the sound guy. And I remember when I first met him and his integrity and his walk with Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for B.J. Albright. Thanks, B.J. I thank you often. I pray for you. So how are the lives that surround you influencing your life every day? How is your life influencing others in your circle of friends and relationships that you have? How are the decisions that you make impacting others? What are the consequences of your influence? Well, transformation and reshaping of self is to accept the significance that knowing oneself is the first part of a two-part relationship and journey with God. John Calvin wrote in the Institutes, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. In the book of John, chapter 15, verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, spiritual formation connects us to God. Spiritual formation practices consist of inward, outward, and corporate disciplines that should impact the spiritual transformation in the life of a professing follower of Jesus Christ. Our capacity to have intimacy with God requires freedom to trust without borders. We cannot trust God if we depend on our own resources for the survival because fear will overcome any attempt we make to get close to God or other people. Trust and submission is the bridge to intimacy with our Lord. Inward disciplines are practiced in the privacy of our intimate walk with Jesus Christ. If you do choose to follow my podcast, you'll notice that I'm going to recommend a book or several books from time to time. And these are books that I use. These are books that I've gone through my journey of education and I use uh, in my spiritual formation walk. Uh, one of the first books I'm going to recommend to you is the Bible, of course. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, then uh, there's no sense in getting anything else because this is where you're going to find every answer that you're ever going to need. 
And uh, I would get a translation that's easy. A lot of people are like, oh, I got to have the King James. I got to have this, or I got to have the New King James or the ESV. Look, get a translation that you can read that's easy. God will speak to you. It is the living word. I would start out with like an NLT, a New Living Translation. I would start with an NIV, uh, you know, just something that's a little bit easy. And you can work yourself up as God speaks to you. But for Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, I would recommend the book by Adele Calhoun, 2005. It's titled Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us. Again, the title is Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us. You can get it on Amazon or, or anywhere. I'll just look it on, uh, online. I'm sure you could find that book. Uh, I want to talk about right now is what does it look like? Uh, what are the inward and spiritual disciplines and practices? And, and um, how do they really impact our world? Well, in Calhoun, he talks about the corporate or communal spiritual formation practices. They provide every part for every other part in how. Where every part belongs and finds its health in right relationship to every other part. No part is meant to function alone. I'm going to say that again. No part is meant to function alone. Community enhances community. I'm going to say that again. Community enhances community. Holiness flows out of community. Paul the Apostle gives us another wonderful way to know how we are in Galatians 5.22 and 23. He declares that all who are born of God will have the fruits of the Spirit that are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of these are obtained through an ongoing intentional desire and willingness to present ourselves as living sacrifices. One thing you're going to notice through my podcast, woven through there, you're going to hear these three words a lot. Intentional, strategic, and accountability. And why are they important in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ? So I hope to be able to share that often and that you're going to get a good grasp of why you need accountability, why is God strategic, and why do you have to be intentional? So I want to take a little time to talk about corporate, inward, and outward spiritual disciplines. What does it mean? What does it look like? Uh, How is it defined? Foster in 1988 wrote, Outward spiritual disciplines and practices affect how we interface with the world. That's those outward spiritual disciplines. I wrote the knowledge and spiritual formation practices put into action through an integration of daily life in Christ and not simply as agenda items should reflect the ongoing spiritual transformation in the life of the believer. Prayer, meditation, solitude, personal and corporate worship, celebration, communion, fasting, thankfulness, discipleship, confession, discernment, silence and solitude. These are all significant and strategic spiritual formation practices in the transformation of the life of the believer. But spiritual practices must include all the compartments in the life of the believer. So now I want to share a little bit about corporate and communal spiritual formation practices. They provide the every part for every other part in how. Where every part belongs and finds itself in right relationship to every other part. No part is meant to function alone. That's right out of Calhoun 2005 book. Community enhances community. Holiness flows out of community. Paul the Apostle gives us another wonderful way to to know who we are in Galatians 5.22 and 5.23. He declares that all who are born of God will have the fruits of the Spirit that are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of these are obtained through an ongoing intentional desire and willingness to present ourselves as living sacrifices. 
I'm going to say those again. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these are obtained through this transformation of our lives, which again, we have to just give 100%. You see, God doesn't want 99%. He doesn't want 99.9%. You need to be willing to give it all. And I realize it, it, for some, it, it, you know, it's a journey. Uh, but as long as you're progressing forward and you're not just treading water, and, and, and treading water is just kind of like staying in that place, the same, you know, you're trying to stay afloat and eventually you're going to get tired. Spiritual formation practices possess the necessary strategic equipping tools to obtain a posture of humility that is the gateway to God. Spiritual practices should not in of themselves become the actual focus that would cultivate a life of neglecting Jesus Christ. Nathan Foster said that the concept of spiritual disciplines is really quite simple. We do the practices that Jesus did. Nathan Foster said that over a period of time these practices will become habitual. You know, creating and cultivating habits that become normal, integrated, spiritual practices into daily life is cultivating, let's say that again, it's cultivating a spiritual knee-jerk reaction response to life as Jesus would. You know, a lot of times people say the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, I'd rather say, what would Bob do? What would Carol do? What would Sandy do? What would Mike do? What would Joe do? What would Katrina do? You know, when I'm looking for these people that model Christ for me, you know, I want to learn from them. I want to see. I want to, what, it, what does it look like when I see someone's life transformed? I praise God for those men and women that God put in my life that uh, helped me see what it meant to be a, a real follower of Christ, people that were sold out. So hey, well, who, who am I? Who, who is Bob Lenz that you would want to follow my podcast? Well, I was born in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, I lived there until I was about the age of 17. I was raised partially on a farm for about five years up in Tewksbury. Again, it's where I, I first met Carrie uh, in our grade school class. Uh, I left uh, the Marine Corps in 1991. I served all those years in there. It gave me my structure. I loved it. I traveled all around the world, so I got to see that kind of uh, beautiful world that we live in that God created. I was not a believer then. I believed in God, but I was not. I did not have this personal relationship with God. Uh, I did attend Catholic school when I was a child. I made my first communion. But again, I did not have an understanding or any really personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I used to look at Christians. I used to mock them. I used to not want to talk to them. I really didn't get it. In fact, I was quite arrogant. Uh, little did I know that God had this amazing plan for my life in ministry and my walk with Him. And, and it's exciting to look back knowing that God had His hand on me. And I'm going to tell you right now that no matter where you are, God has His hand on you. I love my, I got two heart scriptures. And one of them is John 3.30, of course, is that, you know, it's basically less of me, more of Him to allow Him to work in my life. And then Isaiah 41.10, that He will never forsake me. He will uphold me. He will strengthen me. He will never leave me. And I hang on to the scriptures. I hang on to the promises and principles and commands of the Bible. Uh, so again, who am I? So I left the Marine Corps. I have two beautiful sons and a daughter, you know, my lead, Jeremy and Jason. I left the Marine Corps. And then uh, uh, meanwhile, remember all these years, every time I would contact uh, Carrie, she first thing she would say is, Bobby, do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And I would say, no, nah, not yet. I, in fact, I, I used to not want to even talk because I knew that would be the first question that she would ask me. So here I am. So I'm out of the Marine Corps now. I had a job for the government. I worked for the Treasury Department for a while. 
still didn't know Jesus, never would attend church, maybe once in a while. I was uh, I was known as what you call a creaster. I would go Easter and I would go Christmas, but that's about it. Again, I never had a relationship uh, with this personal relationship uh, with, with Christ. So I always tried to be this good guy. And then next thing I know, I, I realized I was singing somewhere and this guy comes up to me and he says, Bob, you sound like Elvis. You need to dye your hair black, put on a jumpsuit, take my card. And it was Eugene Williams from a 1970s uh, Robert Conrad series called the High Mountain Rangers. Eugene Williams gave me his card. I went up to Agent Hollywood. Next thing I know, I'm doing some TV. I'm doing commercials. I'm, I'm dressed up like Elvis. I'm in, I'm, I'm in uh, uh, limousines. I'm doing all these shows. And as my uh, career progressed, I became uh, uh, in the Screen Actors Guild. And uh, I was doing, I, I did uh, Hot Shots. I did Growing Pains, Married with Children. Uh, and, you know, looking back on my experience with growing pains, Kirk Cameron was, I, again, remember, I wasn't a Christian then, but looking back, I realize now why this man was so kind to the cast, how he waited for everybody else to eat, uh, just what a gem of a human being. So that was, again, God crossed paths with somebody that I could look and say modeled Jesus Christ, this amazing love and kindness relationship. So here I am for the next 17 years. I'm an entertainer. I'm traveling around the world. Again, I was not a follower, did not have this personal relationship with Christ. I performed in Athens, Greece at the Diogenes Palace for two years. Uh, what an exciting journey this was. God had his hand on me. I returned back to the States. I get connected with Carrie. It's uh, now I'm, in, I'm pushing into the 2000s. I'm trying to give you the short version of my life. And Carrie says, Bobby, do you know Jesus Christ yet? Do you have that personal relationship? And she gave me these lists of churches. And right down the road from where I lived was Skyline Wesleyan Church. I can tell you, I remember passing that building every Sunday. I was I would take my German Shepherd out for a walk. I remember dropping my daughter off there for some some, uh, some functions of where she was working at the time. Little did I know that that building and the people in it would change my life forever. So one day Carrie says, look, I want you to go to this place called Skyline Wesleyan Church. I'm a Wesleyan. This is where you need to go. So I said, okay. So I drove up there. I sat in the parking lot for two Sundays. I remember just waiting, watching people walk in. I wanted to make sure, because, you know, it was a big square building. It was about four stories. Didn't have a big steeple. Didn't have the things that I remember as a child that my association, what church was. Uh, I told Carrie, because I was there, she goes, Bobby, you got to go in. Sitting in the parking lot is not going to get you to a place where you're going to learn who Jesus is. So what did I do? I finally walked in. There was a Susie Lahit of the greeting, and she said, Hi, I'm Susie Lahit. Welcome to Skyline Church. And it seemed authentic. And that was one of the first places in my journey that I realized how important it is that when, uh, as a pastor of a church, to have people that are authentic uh, at the door, your greeting team. Why is it important? Because that was a decision that made me come back because I felt like I wasn't a number. There was none of this just hugging me and, you know, this explosion of like, you knew me my whole life, but it was real and it was authentic. So thank you, Susie Lahit, for the way you touched my life. And then again, as I progressed, I met Pastor Bruce uh, at the Singles Ministry, and there I was, leading worship within a year. So I gave my life over to Christ, I, oh, and I don't want to miss the, the opportunity to share that Carrie, as she sent me the Bible, and I remember I had it in December, and I was, I was looking through this Bible, I never had a Bible my whole life, and I'm reading it, and it says Psalms, and I'm sharing with her how I really got excited about Psalms, and she's like, Bobby, it's Psalms, you don't, you don't, say, you don't, you don't, you don't say the P. 
So here I was, this brand new green person, not even knowing Christ. I walk in the skyline. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in Pastor Skip Elmore's class, uh, class I mean, his office. He's talking to me about grace and, and things. I, I walked out of there so confused, but I didn't walk out there with somebody that was ready to pursue and make sure that he didn't give up on me. Next thing I know, I'm meeting Pastor Bruce Smith. Next thing I know, uh, Skip is talking to me about discipleship. I met with Mike Rogers at a, a local little, just a, one of the restaurants out there. And we sat for three hours. At the end of the night, he looked at me and he said, I don't think I'm your guy. And I got mad. I was like, man, Carrie's been on me for all these years. And I'm supposed to go in there and, and, and learn who Jesus is. And this guy tells me, I'm not your guy. Uh, it was about motive. It was about attitude. And I went home that night. And this was, I met Mike, it was uh, January 2nd, 2003, when we sat in that restaurant for three hours as he was talking about God, asking me questions about my life. At 1.30 in the morning on January 2003, I got on my knees and I just looked up and I said, if you're this God and you're everything and as big as everybody is telling me, then I want in. Because you see, when Mike was talking to me about uh, out of John chapter 15, it was about you know, by to me and how God will prune and how God cuts off the dead wood. And man, I cuts off the branches. I thought, man, if God is that big, I don't want to be cut off like a dead branch. I want to know who this God is. And that's exactly what I said. God, you have me from this day forward, from the tip of my head, all of my heart and everything else. You have me from this day forward. And I've never looked back. I remember waking up the next morning, man, I was excited. And I'm, here I am, I'm ready to explode and call everybody. And I wasn't sure if even Mike would return my email or my call. I remember I first contacted Skip Elmore and I said, I'm a Christian. I gave my life to Christ at 1.30 in the morning. And Skip was so excited. And then I called Mike and I sent emails, of course, to follow up. And the next thing I know, I'm in this long, amazing journey, this journey of a discipleship. One-on-one -on -one with Mike every Wednesday night at his house. I'd show up at 6 o'clock. And I'm going to share, you know, as a brand new believer, just kind of wasn't sure. By this time, I was living in my house and I had a, I had had my full-time job. I was performing, you know, Friday and Saturday nights at the Flying Bridge in Oceanside. So, you know, I had a full life. You know, church was still not my main goal. It was more uh, discipleship. But I wanted to, I wanted to appreciate and, and, and uh, follow through what I promised to carry. So I started meeting with Mike. And then I remember one Wednesday, I just said, ah, you know what, I'm tired. I'll just, I kind of blew it off. Following Wednesday, I go to pull up to Mike's house for discipleship, and he comes out and he says, don't even get out of the car. And I'd be like, what? He goes, don't even get out of the car. He said, you've got to make this a priority. He said, you've got to be hungry for this. He said, my time is valuable, and I'm willing to do this and walk this walk with you and disciple you, but you've got to be hungry. And if you're not, then we'll just part ways now. And you know, I never forgot that. And I will tell you the same thing right now. If you want to walk this walk with Christ, you've got to be hungry. If you want to walk this walk and you want to be discipled, then you've got to be hungry. You can't just give God part-time. You've got to give it all. You know, the Marine Corps taught me as a young Marine. Sergeant Major Marble sat us down in a school circle. For you Marines that are listening in, you know what that means. He sat us down. He said, Marines, I'm going to tell you something. He said, the things we share in common is time. 24 hours in a day. And what you choose to do with that 24 hours will always separate you from everybody else. And then right behind that, he said, the maximum you give to anything will always determine the minimum you get back. I'm going to say that again. The maximum you give to anything will always determine the minimum you get back. And I've used that and associated that and, and lived that with my life with Christ. Because you know what? It's true. 
the maximum I give to my Lord and Savior of myself, the minimum I will always get back. So I raise that bar high for my life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I fall short? Absolutely I do. Do I skin my knees along the way? Absolutely. But you know what? It's these things called spiritual disciplines. It's these men and women that model this amazing walk with Jesus Christ that changed my life. It's having a wife that's so passionate about Jesus Christ that she holds me accountable. It's not just a title for me. You know, when I received my call to the ministry a year after I gave my life to Christ, I promised God that I will give him everything. And that's what I want to do. I know Skip will tell me, Skip Moore used to say, you know, Bob, you had a, a road to Damascus experience. So yes, it's a little struggle for me. Sometimes I look at people and figure out why are people struggling? I just want them to experience this amazing walk with Christ that I have. And it's not being arrogant or selfish. It's like I see people, women in the sea, and Jesus is throwing them this, the Jesus life preserver. He's throwing it out there saying, look, I have everything that you need. And what I see is people swimming away. I can promise you this is not about finding the inner self. This is about a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And a reminder to everybody that, again, people are going to let you down. Friends will let you down. The church will let you down. Yes, it's important to have community and corporate and be part of worship. But if you're looking to the church for perfection, which I hear a lot of people say, I'm not going to church. You know, I've been there. I've got hurt. I got, And it goes on and on. But you know what? That's because people are in the church. But it's also God that you want to have this relationship with. That's got to come first because when you put Christ first, everything underneath that just takes a second, you know, a second priority. And it's really important. So when I connected with Christ again, I gave him my all. I promised him and I've never looked back. I've not once in my life ever looked back and said, you know, I, I, this, is, this is wrong. i kind of given up. Not once did that ever cross my thought because I realized that this is where I was. And all of a sudden, my passion and purpose, they collided with God, and I've never looked back. I never had to dream dreams anymore. Like, where was I going? Like when I was an entertainer, always worrying about that next gig. When my purpose and passion collided with, with Jesus, it was like the new desires of my heart were filled. I remember Mike, as I was being discipled, he said, God will fill the desires of your heart. Do you know what that means, Bob? And I was like, I, I think so. I think what you're telling me, Mike, is that God's going to put these new desires in my heart and that my new focus will be the focus of God's focus. And he said, that's right. So again, a reminder to everybody that's listening here that if, if you don't know what your purpose and your passion in Christ is, you got to ask yourself, is his story your story? And if you're a non-believer, I can promise you that if you give all, his story will become your story and your passion and your purpose will become one in God. Remember, abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Pretty amazing and a great promise. Because what he's saying, he says, with me, he goes, I can give you all this, right? And a lot of times it's not about money. It's not about, because you know, it's not about getting rich. It's about having this fulfillment. And when people ask me, they'll say, Bob, can you define, just give me a couple words that define your life in Christ. Peace, passion, purpose. It all comes together. Significance, love. To experience this love from the Father that I never experienced as a child. I promise you, if you're looking for that kind of love, you're only going to get that kind of love from God. Loves you unconditionally, welcomes you into his kingdom. We're talking about sonship, adoption, by choice. I love the book of Ephesians chapter 1. It has it all in there. You know, you're chosen, and it's by grace. And I haven't even got to grace yet, but we're going to have a one of my uh, episodes is going to be on grace. What does it mean to live in this incredible love of God? 
and to be able to understand what does it mean to live in the covering of grace, the grace of God uh, that allows us to, to stumble along the way, allows us to be in a progressive walk with Him. Things like sanctification, what does it mean to be sanctified? What does it mean to be in a mode of progressive sanctification? All these big terms that really is basically a walk with God, being purposeful and being passionate about it. Uh, how am I staying connected with God? I'm staying connected with Christ because I stay with connected because I'm working, I'm, I'm integrating these spiritual disciplines into my life. Prayer, prayer's got, everything's got to start with prayer. My morning prayer, devotion, ending the evening with prayer. I will tell people all the time, prayer is essential, prayer matters, prayer is powerful, it's that communication with God, and when I started out, I would be standing around people, and I'd listen to them pray, and man, these were some like awesome prayers, they were like big words, and I was like, I ain't never going to be able to pray like that, and I still don't want to pray like that. My basic conversation with God is, God, this is Bob, Jesus, this is Bob today, and at the end, I just remind myself to remember tell him how much I love him. So again, those spiritual disciplines, not on a checklist, and this is what I had to learn. I had to look at what does it mean to live out these spiritual disciplines. And what I did is I started to look at Jesus had an integrated relationship with, with his Heavenly Father, right? Part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He would just go off to be with the Father. I don't remember once in the, in the Bible Jesus saying, look, I, I, oh, it's 3 o'clock, I have it on my checklist. But we want, but we got to do is we got to start separating out this thing from agendas, which we will fail because most people I know have very busy lives, this craziness, and then they're like, oh, I'm not spending time with God. Well, that's because you know what? If you integrate it, just like you wake up in the morning and you brush your teeth, I don't think there's maybe some people do have a checklist. I don't know, but for me, I want to integrate my relationship, my spiritual disciplines into my walk with Jesus Christ, a normal part of my DNA. And that's what I'm recommending to you. Are you passionate? Have you integrated this walk with Jesus Christ into your walk uh, with him every day? And then how do you define uh, your life in Jesus Christ if somebody came up to you? And again, if you don't know who he is, hey, you can shoot me an email. That's rev.boblens at gmail.com. You can see it on my, my podcast site. Shoot me an email. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to have that conversation because it's gonna. I'd love to be real. And again, I think a lot of people that will tell me they were hurt, they went to church. I think there's a lot of times there's fear as I ask people, why aren't we witnessing? Why aren't they knocking on doors? Why? And a lot of times the fallacy becomes the reality. And I think that's what's really, really scary. We live in a very chaotic time. Everything from, you know, the way our government, our countries, uh, there's just chaos in the world. I will tell you that there's only peace amongst chaos when you have this relationship with Jesus Christ. The amount of hatred that's being spewed all over the, the internet. You have a choice, I have a choice. I always talk about keep it in the I mode, which I learned when I was going through my Master of Divinity at Wesley Seminary. Dr. Kwasai talked about the I mode. What is Bob Lenz responsible for? What are you responsible for? What am I gonna do for the kingdom today? What are you gonna be doing? It's not about what we are gonna do, it's about what am I gonna do, remember? It goes back to influence. How is my life in Christ influencing those in my circle of influence? How is your life influencing people, whether you are a follower of Christ or maybe you're just you're not there yet? But how is the decisions and influence in your life? If you spew hatred and prejudice and bias, how is that influencing those around you? How have those around you influenced your life of bias, prejudice, love, passion, kindness? It's something to think about, isn't it? Well, let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, I just come to you now, Lord, and thank you for this wonderful technology. I thank you for today. I thank you for the incredible writers of like Calhoun, Richard Nathan Foster, who Father really spell out what does it mean to understand spiritual disciplines. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're a God we can come to directly and pray, God, that there is no middle person, God, that you hear me, you hear us direct. I pray for every listener that's out there right now, Father, for every new heartbeat. I pray for those that are searching. I pray for those that may be on a fence, Father God, that they would jump off and come in all the way. I pray for those that maybe, Father God, have been let down, that it hurt, that, Father, as we progress, Father, forgiveness, Lord, as we talk about forgiveness uh, in the near future, Lord, that forgiveness is just a ball and chain, Father, it has nothing to do with that person, but forgiveness is about being set free. So I pray for those that need to be set free, Father God, because it's the truth, Father. Your word will set us free. And God, I thank you for loving us unconditionally, Lord. You are a mighty God. You're a big God. You are the creator of heaven and earth, all things seen and unseen. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In your precious name above all names, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, have a nice day and I'll talk to you next week. And remember, just how much Jesus loves you. God has a real purpose for each of us here in this life. It begins first with an intentional desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ who wants you to connect with Him. We appreciate you listening today and pray that you will join us next week for Real Purpose with Pastor Bob Lenz.